Alright. Here it is. Again. And it's called. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Punk rock is about three chords, four if you were looking. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. Let's go! Hey everybody, I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the 1977 spring episode of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. I gotta say, I'm really excited about this playlist today, uh, today because we are, this is really, it's the first full punk episode. I'm yeah. pretty stoked about it. Yeah. Um, now, now we don't have a lot of bands. Right. So we've got we've got like three bands we're touching on, and then we're gonna do something really cool. We're gonna do a deep dive on the Clash. Yeah, that's right. So there was there was only four albums, four relevant albums to this podcast that were released in the spring of uh, 1977. Now they're all by pretty iconic. Uh, UK punk bands, mm -hmm. so so that's good. But we got a, you know, we got an hour long show, so we're gonna do a, a deep dive on the Clash. It's gonna be an, it's gonna be amazing. But first, let's kick this off right. So a couple episodes ago, we were talking about Blondie. We were talking about Rapture and how Rapture was sort of the iconic new wave baseline, which still holds true. But if there were a contender, um, you know, if if there was a challenger for that title, I think it would be this song, which is Peaches by the Stranglers off of their debut album. Walking on the beaches, looking at the peaches. Well, you just take a look over there. think of a lot worse places to be like down in the streets or down in the sewer or even on the end of a skewer you know back when i was doing uh, music world radio doing the radio i i would play this song quite a bit on my radio show um and i i would play it because it was requested a lot um, yeah. strangely enough, but I have to say these days, it kind of makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> well, okay. Before we get into that, um, let's, let's talk about the album. Yes. So, so the album, um, entitled, and I can never get this exactly right. Um, it's a Latin word for rat, which is ratus nor vegicus. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. Um, <laughs> 
uh, you're, uh, you and I were, you know, kind of texting back and forth um, over the last week, um, and you're not a big fan of this album. I'm I'm not a big fan of this album. No. Um, yeah, I felt, I don't know, I felt kind of like it was a bunch of filler, you know, a bunch of filler. Yeah. Filling. Well, um, as we teased last month, um, this was the band that I went and saw live at the Warfield <laughs> instead of going to my high school prom. Of course. So, and um, we have already revealed in our top, 10 lists of new wave bands that um, the Stranglers are number three for me. So I love the Stranglers. But how well um, was that concert, by the way? Oh, it was great. Oh, it was great. I, you know, I love the, the bands who like come in, plant their feet and don't move. They just pound the hell out of their their instruments they're they're not doing a lot of leaping around and you know jumping on amps and throwing condoms out to the audience and all of that they just <laughs> yeah. come in they do their business and then they leave so they don't they don't know, need like, a lot of show they just give you the tell you know that's right that's yeah. right the stranglers um violent femmes and the pixies were like my three very favorite shows and they were all just kind of come in plant my feet play the music and then leave and i just i love that that's to me that's very punk um but i actually came to uh, um of for the original lineup of the stranglers i was familiar with all of their albums except for their first three punk albums before I came to the punk album. So I was really into their new wave stuff. Well, except for their very final one, 10, which hadn't been released yet. Um, but in the U.S., the Stranglers were never very big. So in the 80s and 90s, whenever I came across somebody who was, act- who, who, who was actually familiar with of the Stranglers, they were always older punks right. who raved about the the first two albums in particular. So I always felt like, oh, I should like I should like these albums better, and so I kind of like, you know, kind of pretended like I liked them more than I actually did. But get preparing for this show, I went back and listened to this album the first one mm-hmm. and it's really not that great i mean there's no no fault in the musicianship because they are really good musicians they are yeah but um but the the music itself is other than peaches and get a grip it's it's all kind of you know just not very inspired stuff as right. far as i'm concerned so, um, which brings us to, we need to take a little sidebar here um, and talk about something that I've been putting off bringing up for a while just because I've been kind of dreading it. Um, and, there's no, and there's no escaping it this episode. Yeah, there's no, just... <laughs> no, no, because I, I, I really don't want this podcast to become like a social political history of, of punk 
that's one extreme. The other extreme is to not bring it up at all, right. which I don't want to do that and pretend like it's not an issue. And that's the issue of misogyny in, in punk and to a lesser degree, new wave. Um, so typically in these rundown episodes, we wait till the end to reveal that we're what band we're doing the deep dive on. Uh, obviously, I mean, I think anyone can guess it's going to be the Stranglers. So next episode is going to be about the Stranglers. And we're going to set aside some time to really kind of delve into the issue of misogyny and punk in general and with the Stranglers in particular. For now, I just want to have a, a quick little conversation about the song Peaches. Yeah. I have some thoughts, but before I get into them, uh, how, where, where are you at? What, what is your history with Peaches as far as, as far as um, your well, relationship with that like, song? Like I said, when I was doing radio, the song would get, uh, it would get requested constantly, um, especially during the early part of my my career with Music World Radio, and uh, the people that were, interestingly enough, the people requesting the song were women. Um, and I felt like it was, you know, the song's catchy, the tune's catchy, and it's kind of self-assured and confident. There's a lot of strutting mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. I really enjoyed the music, so the, the lyrics weren't really bothering me, especially when all these women on the, you know, were requesting it. You know, it didn't, yeah. it didn't really grab me. I listen to it now, and like I said, it kind of makes me cringe a bit. Yeah, well, you know, I I was familiar with the song before I was familiar with the album because, of course, I had, like, the best of the Stranglers. Um, and I always liked it, and it wasn't until years later that, uh, that I was aware that this was an example that was brought up occasionally um, when they were talking, you know, in articles about misogyny and punk. And the first time I came across that for Peaches in particular, I I was kind of surprised because I never really thought about it because to me, he I mean, the 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 narrator in that song, if you listen to the lyrics, the narrator is such a doofus. I mean, this guy is a total knob when you listen to the stuff that he says. I I always took it I just assumed that it was satire, you know, that it was that uh, Hugh Corwell was was making a statement about a certain type of, you know, beach jock. If you've ever seen the the Stranglers, you know, they are not capable of being beach jocks. They, <laughs> they, they look like they've never been to a beach in their life. Um, and and so just like. Um, like uh, fears, I love living in the city, or uh, the dictators, master race rock. You 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 listen to the narrator and the lyrics, and it's it seems really obvious to me. This is really a, a satire about the narrator and that that's, that type of person. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, you consider the fact that he's strutting around and peacocking around so much, you can't yeah. really take that character seriously. Anybody that sees that type of person at the beach is going to laugh at them anyway. Yeah, yeah. And and so but maybe that not maybe that's not the case. Maybe Hugh Corwell when he wrote that he was being very sincere. Maybe he was at the beach and he was just it was stream of consciousness of what what he was thinking. 
I guess it's possible. I, I sure. think that it's unlikely. But in that case, um, if you look at the lyrics, there's nothing inherently misogynistic about it. I mean, it would be, it's sexist, for sure. I mean, the, it, it's all about the objectification of women, but it's not, not inherently hostile. Uh, you know, it's right. just, it's, uh, it's just sexualizing them. But I, I really think that it was intended as satire. But we'll, we, you know, we can, um, we can let the listeners decide for themselves. Yeah. If you go and you listen to the whole, whole song, it's, it's pretty goofy. So, misogyny and punk, that's what was going on in the spring of um, 1977. <laughs> you want to know what else was going on? I want to know. Movies of note. Annie Hall, Star Wars, Smokey and the Bandits, and The Rescuers. The number one songs were Dancing Queen by ABBA, Rich Girl by Daryl Hall and John Oates, Don't Give Up on Us by David Soule, Hotel California by the Eagles, Southern Nights by Glen Campbell, uh, When I Need You by Leo Sayer, The Awesome Sir Duke by the Mighty Mighty Stevie Wonder, <laughs> I'm Your Boogeyman by the Not So Mighty KC and the Sunshine Band, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, Got to Give You Up by Marvin Gaye, and Gonna Fly Now by Bill Conte. All Other right. things that were happening, um, Studio 54 opens. Howard Stern begins broadcasting at WRNW in New York. Casino gambling is allowed in Atlantic City, and Elvis Presley gives his very last performance. That whole uh, that whole run right there puts a lot of things into perspective for me. I don't know why <laughs> I felt like Atlantic City had gambling long before the, the movie Star Wars came out, but it's interesting. No, apparently not. Okay, so let's um, move on to the next album. So this is by, um, this is an album called uh, Pure Mania. It was the debut of a band called The Vibrators. Mm -hmm. I was excited about this because I really wasn't that familiar with The Vibrators. I knew the song Baby, Baby, Baby because it showed up on all of the UK punk compilations. But that was about it. So I, I was, I, I was stoked about the idea of, of discovering a, an awesome new album. Well, um, it was not to be. I mean, it's not an <laughs> awful album, I don't think, but it's it's a fairly unremarkable one. First of all, I don't think it's really that punk. It's it sounds more power pop to me. Uh, right. Like, like baby, baby, baby sounds like a wannabe um, Rolling Stones song. I mean, a, a good wannabe Rolling Stones song, but yeah. it's not. So so how, how are you feeling about this? Well, so I was really excited about the Vibrators, too, because, I mean, I, I've got a little more exposure to the Vibrators. Again, I would play uh, their music at uh, or on the radio. Um, and... And I kind of, I kind of dug it. My first exposure to the vibrators, though, was when I went on a trip to Berkeley to visit my now wife, and I walked into Amoeba Records, and they were playing the song "Whips and Furs," um, which, again, that was, 
you know, it, it, it kind of brings the whole uh, thought of possible misogyny to mind. But uh, yeah. the the song just kind of struck a chord with me, and I, you know, I, I kind of I dug now, it. Now, but that's not off this album, is it? Uh, Whips and Furs. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's, I think it's like track eleven or twelve. It's right before Stiff Little Fingers. Oh, uh-huh. Um, incidentally, Stiff Little Fingers is the inspiration for the band Stiff Little Fingers, Absolutely. which we will be covering in a later episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my experience with this album was, um, I on Spotify, I just put it on rotate as I. Um, was renovating my pantry so i listened to the whole thing through four or five times without seeing the song titles or anything and there was one song that sonically uh kind of stood out to me and i'm like oh that's going to be my pick and then i went to see which one it was it was a song called uh, i don't remember exactly what it was but I, i think it's something like I need a slave tonight. And I went, oh, (laughs) man, I can't do that. Not if we're doing peaches. I need a slave, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so I thought, well, I'll just defer to to Rob's pick on this. Yeah, Yeah. there's there's nothing that really leaps out at me. The song you picked is a a decent song. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I like this song a lot. This is Into the Future uh, by the Vibrators. And... uh, I don't know. I this is a, a another song that I heard a, quite a bit of, and if I were to pick, um, I think "Whips and Furs" for a long time was my favorite song, but I think "Into the Future" might have topped it. So, you know what band I was thinking of as I was listening to the Vibrators was um, the Saints, mm-hmm. because I feel like the Vibrators are almost kind of the mere opposite of. The, I'm speculating now because I'm not an expert on either band, but when when we were um, discussing the Saints' first album a couple of episodes ago, you were talking about how their label really wanted them to yeah. entrench themselves in the punk trappings, but yeah. they wouldn't. That, the, the, the music, that album is much more punk than this Vibrators right. album is, but the Vibrators really, you know, they're... All, the <laughs> album the album cover and all the photos and the way that they dress and everything they really went hard leaned hard into the whole punk thing yeah um, so I think they're kind of exactly the opposite of of the Saints right. with that that dynamic um, not a bad album but not one that I'm going to uh, revisit much I don't think yeah. 
Which brings us to The Jam. Their debut album was um, released in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called um, In the City. Their single um, was of the same name, In the City. Didn't do great. Um but kind of a st- kind of announced that they were there, and it got um, it didn't didn't sell a lot, but got solid reviews. And of course, the the jam. Well, both the jam and the Stranglers are going to go on to to make amazing albums, in yeah, my est- sure. estimation. I don't know about the Vibrators. My sense is that the Vibrators are going to just churn out album after album of the same sounding stuff but <laughs> that may be unfair um but you wouldn't listening to this album you wouldn't necessarily think um i mean it wouldn't be obvious to me if i wasn't familiar with the jam that this was a band destined for greatness right what, what did you think well, of this album so so i actually went into this album not hearing a lot about it i mean i i think i I don't know that I've heard any of their songs, to be honest. Um, mm. But I listened to the album, and uh, I just wasn't crazy about it. Um, mm. I I did enjoy Art School. I thought it was a great song. The song, probably my favorite and the in my mind the best song on the album. But what caught me was that there are two cover songs on this album, and uh, one cover song was the theme song to the Batman TV show from the '60s. Uh, uh, and this sort of just this sort of exemplifies my feelings about this album where it's like that's to me that's just the laziest punk um, maneuver you can do is do a cover of the Batman theme song I mean who who knows maybe they were the first band to do it and it was fresh at the time but it's they weren't the last I've known people in punk bands who do covers of the Batman theme yeah, song. Yeah, they weren't. They it definitely ju- weren't the last. Yeah, it, it just seems like punk rock 101. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, so the the other uh, cover song was a song called "Slow Down" by Larry Williams, which was a song back in the late 50s, which mm-hmm. I find kind of interesting, but not really all that exciting. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting that you're not familiar with the jam. I, I'm excited because you, um, I'm looking forward to introducing you to some really great music. Um, I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah, that not, their, their next album is, is a little bit more of the same. Uh-huh. But um, after that, they, they get into more post-punk stuff. And just just fantastic. You're you're in for a treat when when we get to those. But uh, in the meantime, let's uh, go ahead and listen to Art School um, by the Jam off of their debut album in the city. What you want, cause this is a new ice cream. Do what you 
wild if it takes your mind Better do it now cause you won't have time And never worry if people laugh at you The fools only laugh cause they're ever you So I really dig the the lyrics in this actually um, mm-hmm. there's you know anything you want to do any place you want to go don't need permission um, say what you want because this is new art school it's a new art school I, I just I like the it, 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 I, to me the theme is punk you know the whole take 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 control you know do what you want um, but but anyway the and the song doesn't necessarily feel punk to me, but it, <laughs> you know, I do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that brings us to the fourth and final album um, released in spring of 1977, which is the Clash eponymously titled album. Uh, so, typically at this point, we will stop and just pick our favorite album of the ones released. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this because it's got to be The Clash's first album, right? Uh, well, no. <laughs> I mean... Wait, what do you mean? Well, the, the Clash's first album is not my favorite. No, right, right, right. But what I'm talking about is of the four albums that were released in spring of 1977, it, it is. The Stranglers, The Jam, The yes. Vibrators, and The Clash, the, the right? Clash it's, is, it's no contest. No contest. No, it's I mean... It's definitely it. So, so this album just puts th- these other releases to shame, particular... Oh, yes. Particularly the jam and the vibrators, because this album says, hey, sounding punk, being punk isn't enough. You have to have really interesting songs. You you have to have great uh, dynamics in the songs. It's got to have great lyrics. It's got to have a point of view. You got to have a personality, which I think is really kind of missing off of the the vibrators yeah, and the I think and yeah. the jam. And the Clash definitely had the personality. I mean, the fact yeah. that they had the fact that they had uh, personalities, individual personalities that you can actually distinct distinctively, you know, you can point them out. Yeah. Uh, with within their music, you can say this is so and so, this is so and so. It's they're amazing. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, give a couple little facts about uh, The Clash before we get into their albums. Um, the Clash was um, formed by Joe Strummer, Mick Jones, Paul Simonin, and um, Nikki Topper Hedden. Mm-hmm. That's the four. That's the core four that will will uh play on almost all of the albums um rolling stone magazine uh, identifies them as the 28th greatest artist slash band of all time um you know how we've talked about how sort of tight-knit and insular the the punk movement w- was like in this like the cbgb scene and then here in london this is how tight things were in the punk community 
in England at, at this time. So um, Joe Strummer was in a band called the 101ers before they formed The Clash, and Mick Jones was in a band called the London SS. When that band disbanded, um, a, a couple of the, the members went on to form The Damned. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, the Clash and the Sex Pistols were pretty tight-knit. Um, and the first Clash co- uh, performance, was they opened for the Sex Pistols, and they were pretty bad because they were they weren't <laughs> they weren't ready yet. But um, Mick Jones, what it was important to Mick Jones that they perform live before the Dam did. I see. So that that first gig, they opened for the Sex Pistols. They were really bummed about their performance. Afterwards, they went with members of the Sex Pistols to go to a Ramones concert. Yeah. And after the Ramones concert, the bassist from The Clash got into a fight with the bassist from The Stranglers. So <laughs> that's that's how small their world was yeah, at that point. Definitely. <laughs> okay, so The Clash, um, their debut album, the hit singles were White Riot, Remote Control and uh, Police and Thieves. Rolling Stone magazine says that this is the second greatest punk album of all time. The Complete complete Control is the 361st greatest song of all time (laughs) in White Man in Hammersmith, um, Peleus is the 430th greatest song of all time. Hmm. Oh, actually, before we get into the music, let's let's rank the albums. Shall we? I, okay. Yeah. yeah. I keep good. forgetting to do that. you got to remind me. That, yeah, that's right. That's, that's <laughs> so, supposed to be our first thing and not our last. Somebody's got to steer this ship. <laughs> shall, okay. I, shall I go first? Yeah, yeah, do it. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and rank my uh, favorite Clash albums. And I'm going to start with uh, number one being my favorite. Okay. Um, my number yeah. one favorite. Oh, oh so my, my prediction is that your list and my list are going to be almost identical. Okay. Okay, we'll see. Yep. Uh, my first, my, my number one favorite album of the Clash is London Calling. Mm-hmm. Um, that is an album I pretty much grew up on. You know, I, I just... Yeah. I love everything about it. The mood, uh, I don't know. It gives me chills. Yep. My uh, second favorite is this album, Clash. Mm-hmm. Third favorite is Combat Rock. Fourth favorite, Cut the Crap. Fifth favorite, Give Them Enough Rope. And number six, an album that I completely despise, is Sandinista. <laughs> okay, so I was wrong, wrong, wrong. For a second there, I thought that I I was a brilliant genius, but no, I um, things right. really de- derailed quickly. I want to uh, okay. I want to hear where that happens. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> number one for me is London Calling. Mm-hmm. Number two is the Clash's debut album. So so far so, so good. So far so good. Yeah. Number three, Sandinista. Oh oh. Number four, Combat Rock. Number five, Given Enough Rope. And number six, the ironically titled 
cut the crap. <laughs> and uh, you, it's quite possible you are the only human being on the face of the earth who doesn't think that this is the worst Clash uh, album. You know, uh, this, I don't know. After listening to San, sitting through Sandinista, <laughs> listening to the album in one sitting, my head was spinning. I think. Uh, well. <laughs> and that was your mistake. We'll, we'll, let's get to that when we get to the album. You um, bet. You bet. Okay, so let's uh, play some music off of their um, debut album. What song did you pick? Oh, yeah. So I, I picked Career Opportunities. Um, and I I really like Career Opportunities. Um, specifically, the lyrics, I hate the Army. I hate the RAF. I don't want I don't want to be f- I don't want to die fighting in oh gosh what is it I don't want to die fighting in a tropical heat or something like that. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that this is this is kind of punk, you know. It's they're basically holding up their fists and and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but um, but they are really saying something. They are saying something. They are definitely it's, saying something. There's as far as I know there's there's no real love songs on this album. No. You know, unlike Unlike the vi- the vibrators and the and um, <clears throat> the stranglers and the jams. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. it's all about girls. Yeah, um, no. So this is about uh, flipping the man off. This is about yeah. you know, don't send us off to war. This is about you know, we want to take control of our own lives. The, uh, I mean, the the clash. They they are iconic for being political, and uh, this is this is where it starts, man. They offered me the office of a leadership. They said I better take anything they got. Do you wanna make tea at the BBC? Do you wanna be? Do you really wanna be a cop? Career opportunity, the one that never knocked. Every job they offer used to keep you up the dock. Career opportunity, the one that never I cannot fault you for picking this song. This is this is a great song. It's punk. It it sonically, it's dynamic. It's really catchy. Yeah. It, it has a point of view. It's got really smart lyrics. Um, I love it. I also love London's Burning, uh, which is my pick. So let's go ahead and listen to that uh, now. All across the town, all across the night, everybody's driving with. hard to, for me to choose between career opportunities and London's burning um, but I think you had a, a you've got a great choice there yeah probably my my favorite song off of this album is I'm so bored with the USA uh-huh. but we're gonna hear that 
at a different time and a different place. So that's why I didn't pick it today. Gotcha. All right. In 1978, The Clash releases their second album, Give Them Enough Rope. And um, so The Clash really only, in my estimation, really only releases one true punk album, which is their first one, because this is post-punk, you know? It's it's 1978. This could be one of the very first post-punk albums. We'll just have to see. Um what did you I I think you well, ranked this a lot higher than I did. This is my my second to least favorite of them. No, albums. we both I I ranked this at number 5. Oh, you did. Uh, okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Um I will say this. I really enjoyed one or two there were a couple songs on here i liked Mm -hmm. um when i ranked my albums i basically listened to it and i went with which album did i like the most songs on um and i think drug stabbing time was it was cool it had some strong saxophone um but uh the song julie's been working for the drug squad really kind of rang a bell with me i don't know why but I, i love that it's Lucy in the sky, I don't kind of have a fire. She giggles at the screen, cause it looks so green. The scarf is on the pavement, the feathers in her eye. But sooner or later, her new friends realize that Julie's been working for the drug squad. That Julie's been working for the drug squad. Yeah, so I I don't hate this album. I'm just kind of I kind of mildly like pretty much all of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was I was struggling. This was probably the hardest one for me to pick a song because I feel about the same across the board with these songs, where I'm mildly yeah. interested in them. But then when I saw your pick it became clear what my pick should be. Um, oh, okay. Because uh, Julie's, that is, that's a big, like, that's got big Joe Strummer energy. It does, right? Right? Absolutely. So I decided to go with Stay Free, which has got big Mick Jones energy. Uh-huh. And this is the first time that you really seen the split of those two personalities, um, which will continue to to veer off from each other, and sometimes that's that's great. Like London Calling is a great album because those two sensibilities are playing off of each other just perfectly. Right. But absolutely. eventually, yeah. that dynamic will be a large part of why the clash breaks up i hate to say um, it but you might you might you might say that they they clashed huh? yeah. yeah yeah um and so uh okay you just you just derailed me with that oh, i gotta recover from that Rob. <laughs> okay so anyways i, I th- this was the this was the first point where you're really starting to see the two personalities um, distinctly, because on the first album they they do a really good job of of b- combining them together, where you don't 
it's not like Joe Strummer energy or Mick Jones. You know, they're right. they're working all together. Um, so let's listen to "Stay Free" and hear Mick Jones being the mix Mick Jonesiest he has up until this point. <laughs> Excellent. We met when we were at Definitely see the uh, the counterpoint, a uh, counterbalance, I should say, to uh, yeah. you know, to Joe Strummer. I, I yeah. think that's really a great observation, and and I, I mean, I mentioned earlier how they definitely have their own the personalities within each album. You can definitely feel the two, and this this is where it's where where it's coming to an head, and and yeah. I, I don't yeah. know, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay, 1979 sees the release of the Mighty Mighty album London Calling. Yeah, London Calling. Oh, okay, we'll set aside some time to talk about what Rolling Stone thinks about London Calling cuz they think a lot <laughs> about Rolling Calling. Uh-huh. London Calling. So, according to Rolling Stone, it is the eighth greatest album of all time. It is the number 1 album of the 80s. The song London Calling is the 15th greatest song of all time, according to Rolling Stone magazine, and Train in Vain is the 292nd greatest song of all time. Um, Here is a, um, here's where the Joe Strummer energy and the Mick Jones energy really become like the prominent dynamic in you know in the clash because because for me the two high points of this album london calling and that's like joe strummer and lost in the supermarket which is (laughs) very very um uh, mick jones so i love this album Mm -hmm. this is a double album um and it's it's got it's got everything. I mean, they're they're trying just about every oh. style they yeah. can think of. On I mean, this. You, you almost have like uh, you know, surf and psychobilly, uh, pub rock, uh, punk rock, reggae. You know, um, the the it's I don't know. It's all over the board, and yet it's still a brilliant album. It still works. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a double album, and this is um, a, a truly classic album. So. I, I couldn't bring myself to only feature two songs off, off of this album. So I decided I didn't need to pick anything off Cut the Crap. Mm-hmm. So I picked two songs off of this album. First one is Rudy Can't Fail.
So, Rob, uh, what is your pick for this album? Um, so, <laughs> you know, normally I would pick my favorite song, which is London Calling, but that's not what we're about here. So yeah, yeah. we, we want to pick the, the gems that people might not normally have listened to. Um, I picked the right profile, and um, the right profile I found to be a really interesting song because um, because of the actor Montgomery Clift. Um, there was a screening of the Misfits in the UK, and uh, in in 1979, and when Montgomery Clift shows up on the screen. Everybody in the, the audience yells, that's Montgomery Cliff, honey, which is a lyric out of the right profile. It was almost like being at Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, I wasn't there, but I heard in an interview, let's say, it, um, that it was like being at a Rocky Horror Picture Show where everybody would, you know, yell back lines <laughs> to yeah. the screen. And I just thought that was that was amazing. Now, th this song is about Montgomery Cliff, and, and I, I don't know, I found it fascinating. Well, I'm really glad that you picked this song because, you know, on a double album, um, sometimes, regardless of how many times you listen to the album, certain songs just kind of get lost in among. And this right. is one of those songs that when I first saw that you had picked it, I went, wait, that's that's a song off of London Calling? I didn't remember it at all. <laughs> yeah. But over the last week, as I've been listening to this playlist... Um, I'm really digging this song. This is a cool, catchy, little ditty of a song. Everybody says he alright. Everybody says what's he like. Everybody says it's funny. That Montgomery Cliff, honey. New York, New York, 42nd Street. Hustlers rustle, pimp, pimp the beat. Money Cliff is recognized at My second pick off of London Calling. Let's listen to the Guns of Brixton. Now, this is um, this is the first song that was written by the bassist. Yeah. Um, and how it came about was he was complaining to Joe Strummer that um, Joe Strummer and and Mick Jones were getting these songwriting royalties that he wasn't getting so joe strummer said well go write a song so he went and wrote a song um shouldn't surprise you this is a bass heavy song um and i love it yeah who would have known that this guy would kick out such a tune <laughs> i mean it was, it's good it's good from London Calling, I, I don't think I actually 
mentioned the the hit singles off of this, although it should be pretty obvious. It was um, London Calling, Train in Vain. Yeah, such a great song. And Clamp Down, yeah. Yeah, Train in Vain to me is it's it's such a well-known song, but it's amazing. It's a killer yeah. song. Okay, let's talk about Sandinista. Sandinista oh. was a <laughs> triple album oh uh, released God. in 1980. Yeah. This is a great album, but its greatness, it's like, okay, so if if somebody came up to me and said, hey, I'm going to listen to Kate Bush's The Dreaming or David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust for the first time, how should I listen to it? I would say, go put your headphones on, get in bed, turn out the lights alone and just stare into the darkness and listen to this entire album. Okay. Right? You know, I would not say that with Sandinista. Sandinista's greatness is like a it's like a ghost or a specter. You 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 won't see it if you look straight at it. You you got to be looking someplace else and catch it out of the corner of your eye. This is a play it in the background at a party or when you're doing chores around the house or yeah, okay. you're working out or something and it will creep up on you because if you sit down and listen to this like only listen to this you'll go mad my friend man that it's was like staring into mystic. the sun <laughs> so at first when you said it was like a ghost i thought great it's coming back to haunt me but um <laughs> you know what i felt about this this album was that uh you know how you talked about you know Mick Jones having his having his part and 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 uh, Joe Strummer having his part. You know it, it's almost like they went into separate studios. They they said, okay, why don't you write a song? I'll write a song. Then we'll just we'll each write songs and we'll put them into one album. And at some point they go, did you write this song? No, I thought you wrote it. You know the <laughs> it's such a mishmash of tunes. It- it's it's like a uh, a lumbering ramshackle, um, barely together sort of. <laughs> yeah. You know the yeah. movie Slacker. If Slacker uh-huh. was an album, it would be this, right? Yeah, it would be this album where it just kind of follows one person for a little while as they just kind of like. Sp- they're just slacking and Amble not along. doing anything. And then it, it moves on to another person and moves on to another person. There's like no real point to it. There's no plot. It just sort of like lumbers on yeah. and somehow is great. That's what, what this album is for me. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to do this. Okay. Because I feel now that I've been challenged, that, that it's a good thing. It's like you're, you're helping me further my education. Um, I'm going to listen to this album while I'm doing chores around the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not try to pay it full attention. And I think that's the, that's the key. If you put this album on at a party, people are talking to each other. They're moving around. They're mingling. Yeah. They're not really focusing on the music, but there's always something playing. And I think that's really what we need to do with this album. Yeah, yeah. So, so the uh, hit singles, and I say that in quotes because this was, um, didn't really, it, it was, it sold really well, um, but 
that's because it was an album by The Clash. Um, they they didn't really have much hit hits as far as getting played on the radio, but the the um, at least certainly not in the United States. Um, the singles were The Call Up, Hitsville, uh, UK, and The Magnificent Seven. Um, what is the song that you picked to listen to today? I picked something about England. Um, I, I, I love the song. It opens with a, a really great line. Um, also, one thing I learned about this song was that they were experimenting with uh, a music genre in Britain called Music Hall. And it's a genre of music that dates back to Victorian England. It's kind of vaudevillain, vaudevillian, sorry. Um, and and so I thought, well, that's that's cool. I I thought it had a good sound. I thought it was interesting. What I also learned about this song was that 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 particular style of music was so complex to arrange in this song that they never played it live. Mm. They recorded it, and they're like, all right, that's it. <laughs> so. Well, you know, when you send me your list of mm-hmm. of songs for the episode, there's usually at least one song that has me scratching my head. <laughs> um, and this is the song for really? this episode. That okay. I mean, I don't, unlike some of the songs that you have picked in the past, David Bowie, <coughs> um, <laughs> This one, I I don't dislike. I just don't get. Yeah. I, I I I'm puzzled by the, what the appeal of the song is supposed to be. I don't dislike it. I just haven't latched onto it. Yeah. I I think probably my main issue with it is that you know how I feel about out of tune vocals. Yes, it's definitely in there. Yeah. So so if I might share with you. Um, yep the the thing that basically the lyrics that really grabbed me in this song um was i saw a dirty overcoat at the foot of the pillar road propped inside was an old man who time could not erode and for some reason that that right there was like oh i love this song was, and 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 everything after that just built on that. i saw a dirty overcoat at the foot of the pillar of the road Propped inside was an old man Who time could not erode The night was snapped by sirens Those blue lights circled past The dance hall called for an ambulance The bars were closed up fast My silence gazing at the ceiling I'm roaming the single room I thought the old man So my pick from this album is um, a song called Lightning Strikes Not Once But Twice. And this is uh, The Clash doing funk. Uh, now, <laughs> yeah. nobody is going to confuse this uh, song for something, you know, for Prince or... James Brown or anything or like that. That's Brand. for sure. This is <laughs> yeah. um, this is kind of dorky, awkward white boy funk, but that's kind of perfect because you know I'm a dorky, awkward white boy. So this is kind of right up my alley. Oh, 
how do you feel about the song? Do you do you, do you kind of get that that vibe from it that I do, or is this not working for you? It's 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 not quite working for me. Oh, I mean, I yeah. picked I picked out four songs on this album that I that I even you know somewhat remotely liked, um, and that that one didn't come close i'm afraid Mm -hmm. and and i don't know if it's because they're to me it feels like they're trying too hard in a genre that's just not you know they're not good at um but yeah it's it's not Uh, on top of that i didn't like magnificent seven either and that was wasn't that one of the singles on this yeah and i i also really like that yeah, song and well. that's that's you. I mean, you you enjoy the the funky stuff. You enjoy the disco sound. Uh, and, and well, that's all good. yes, I love when when punkers and glam rockers do yeah. disco. That's my yeah. favorite kind of disco. Okay, let's move on to uh, 1982, um, which sees the release of Combat Rock. Now, this <laughs> was. Um, this was the album that really broke the clash in the United States. Uh-huh. So it's kind of funny because nowadays, if you hear the clash on the radio, which doesn't happen a ton, um, right. you know, unfortunately, yeah. but uh, if you do happen to um, hear a clash song, Nine out of ten times is going to be, should I stay or should I go? Right. Uh, now, when this album came out, the monster hit, in at least here in the U.S., was um, Rock the Casbah. Mm-hmm. So God, back then, you never heard, should I stay or should I go, on the radio. It was right. it was always just yeah. Rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah was probably, you'd probably hear it four times a day. If yeah, you were yeah, listening to the radio yeah, and that was that was probably the first Clash song that right. I that I ever heard or that I was aware of because you know I was just a youngster and listening to radio and um, I I know. don't think I don't think I even noticed should I stay or should I go until the nineties to be honest. No, it it didn't it didn't get ra- I don't remember it ever getting radio airplay at least not on pop radio stations um, at the time now in the u.s if you if you come across uh, across a clash song in a movie it's almost always london calling yeah yeah so um i like this album but i don't love it um it's got it's got monster singles off of it so know right. your rights, rock the Casbah, and should I stay or should I go? All Stone Cold classics, for sure. Um, Rolling Stone magazine um, says it's the twentieth highest rated new wave album. What? Calling? I know. Whatever. <laughs> Rolling Stone, you wacky wacky magazine. <laughs> Um, and they say that should I stay or should I go is the 228th greatest song of all time. Okay. So you, if you picked Know Your Rights, and if yeah. you hadn't picked it, I would have picked it. Oh man, no doubt. Yeah. This is this is quintessential Clash as far as as far as them having it all, them being like 
really political and really sharp lyrically and, this and song being doesn't, super catchy. Yeah, and it doesn't age, this song, no, by the way. No, 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 it doesn't. I mean, oh, and we were talking about how The Clash is not known as being a particularly funny band. Right. These lyrics are hilarious. I mean, they're <laughs> oh. not goofy, but they're hilarious. Yeah. It's, I mean, it starts out with, this is a ser- public service announcement with guitars. Yeah. Know your rights, all three all of them. All three of them, yeah. <laughs> Love that. You have the right not to be killed unless it's by the police or an aristocrat. Oh, boy. I mean, talk Rings about <laughs> sharp and timeless and and totally topical for, for this day. This is a public service announcement. With guitar! Know your been a few years now um again i think the song that mostly i heard off of this album uh gosh i don't know i don't know exactly should should i rock the casbah was probably the one yeah. i was most familiar with in the 80s um but i think i heard this song sometime in the late 90s mm-hmm. and uh it it hit me then like it hits me now you know yeah. um mm-hmm. just because of the climate of the world and and i don't know these guys had their finger on it they yeah, really did yeah. So, the song I picked is another song written by the bassist, um, <laughs> Paul Simonin. I just, I love the, um, I mean, he is, he is obviously not um, a real strong songwriter in the traditional sense of, you know, chord construction and melody and lyrics and, and all of that, but he he has a way of just capturing a a, a feel uh, you know just his songs are are so full of atmosphere um that really resonate with me so let's listen to red angel dragon i come from a long way away and i know a fine thing when i see it For the same reason, no one ever pointed a telescope at the sun. Talking about the red angels of N.Y. City. Who shot the shot? Who got us tonight? Who shot the shot? Five enforcement agencies can save their own. 
think it was a good choice. It was a good choice of tunes. Um, and, you know, maybe not the strongest. I think there are some songs that are written uh, for the lyrics or for the, you know, they're written and made to be listened to. Then there are other songs that are written and made to be, to be felt, um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense at all. I yeah, think this yeah, is, I get you. I think this is one of those that, that you can really feel it. Yeah, um, yeah. But there are some really great catchy lyrics in here, um, and, and there's some interesting stuff. Tonight it's raining on the angels of the city, and it it just there are every once in a while some clash lyrics that just will send a little chill up my spine. And this guy, he managed to to hook me on that. Yeah. So, um, two of the members of the Clash are. Fired slashed leave um, the clash. So Mick Jones and um, um, the drummer Nikki Topper Hedden leave. I think Hedden left because he was he was struggling with drugs um, right. and just kind of fell apart. And then Joe Strummer um, fired Mick Jones. Yeah. Three and a half years go by, and they um, release the last Clash album called Cut the Crap. Now, this was the first Clash (laughs) album that I actually owned. I bought it with my own money when I was in high school. It, like, came out, and at that point, I was familiar enough with the Clash to be excited about, like, a new Clash album. I didn't know anything about you know, what was going on with the band or who was in the band or anything like that. So, and you know, when you're, when you're in high school and you and you buy something with your own money and you're just like really invested in it. I was so invested in liking this album. I uh-huh. just like, and I just couldn't do it. I tried so hard. <laughs> I just couldn't get into this album. Wow. I was like, what is what is wrong with me? This is the clash. I should be loving this. But even then, I I had a sense that this is pretty goofy stuff. I mean, yeah. they for a song called "Cut the Crap" and has a you know a picture of a a punk punker with a mohawk on the front. There is an awful lot of drum machines and synthesizers and and yeah. and like heavy. Uh, studio production the most ridiculous moments on this album are the most ridiculous moments uh, in the history of the clash as far as i'm concerned i mean finger popping right (laughs) whoa (laughs) but let's let's listen to a song that isn't ridiculous what what did you pick off i I picked dirty punk gonna be a dirty punk gonna cry out in the hood
then the clash broke up for good. Um, oh, it should it should be noted that um, they did have one fairly sizable hit called um, "This Is England." Didn't, oh yeah. Didn't do anything in the U.S., but was um, pretty popular in the U.K. So over the last week, as as I've been listening to this playlist. I was really struggling with the clash stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You, you and I were kind of communicating yeah. back and forth about it. I, I liked it, um, and I liked all the songs. You know, I think we we made some good choices, but it didn't. It didn't. I mean, I've never considered the Clash to be a singles band, mm-hmm. but. As I was listening to this playlist, I felt like there was an element to what I love about The Clash that wasn't represented. And I'm not entirely certain that the word majestic is quite the right word, but it's the closest I can get. Um, and I think that that element, the, the majestic quality that I associate with The Clash, really are in... It's singles. It's right. London yeah. Calling and um, yeah. Lost in the Supermarket and and all of that. So like we did with Blondie, I propose that we go off, um, go out with a little collage of um, some of The Clash's biggest hits. What do you think, Rob? I think it's a great idea. I think, uh, you know, there's some... Well, first, I want to say that I, after listening to all the Clash, everything they put out, I there are so many Clash songs that I absolutely love. Yeah. And I didn't know that there would be so many that I absolutely love, but I do. However, they have a lot of songs, and there are so many songs that I absolutely do not love. <laughs> but I think going out uh, with a kind of a, a medley or a mix of their, you know, their best is, is a great idea. Well... It's not their best, but it's their biggest hits, the ones that don't qualify yeah. for the deep cut part gotcha. of the show. Yeah, no, I think it's. I think okay, it's so before we idea. do that, let's kind of wrap up this episode. I want to remind you that, um, like every episode, you can go to the show notes and click on the link, which takes mm-hmm. you to the Spotify playlist, so you can listen to every song played here in its entirety and as always we recommend that you do that it uh, will be a good time for your ears um next month we're gonna we're gonna take a look at summer of 1977 this is when the iconic lps start coming fast and furious including two debut albums that just may be the first post-punk records we'll take a listen to releases from three of my personal top five all-time favorite new wave Mm -hmm. bands and if that's not enough say it with me rob more More zolo <laughs> well, I'm 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 thrilled. <laughs> um, before we go out, can I uh, give a little listener appreciation? Of course, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have we have a lady who listens to us uh, faithfully. Her name is Painkiller Jane, and I just wanted to say thank you to her for uh, tuning in and checking us out and saying so many nice things about us. 
I won't go into it, but she's she's a she's a fan. And that's yeah, great. we're not we're not big um, believers of in tooting our own horns. Occasionally, we'll do some horn tooting, but as as little as possible. But, but we do we do appreciate our fans. That's our little listeners. We do absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, so if there is a uh, if there's someone out there who um, w- wants us to appreciate their appreciation, uh, how, how can they send us an email, Rob? Oh, they can send us an email. You can go to deepdives.deepcuts at gmail.com. Uh, say some, you know, give us some, give us some nice comments. Give us, you know, give us some creative or constructive criticism. We'll take yeah, it. Yeah, and. Uh, as always, if we get something wrong factually, um, please do let us know, and we'll uh, do what we can to set this record straight. Yeah, be nice about it. Yep. <laughs> um, also, you can check us out at Instagram, or Deep Dives and Deep Cuts on Instagram, and we are also on Facebook, um, where we post a lot of stuff on Facebook and Instagram, so... Uh, you know, it it's also just kind of fun to check us out and see what we're doing. So yeah, and if you uh, enjoyed this episode, and I'm going to assume that you did because you got all the way to the end, and you <laughs> want to do us a solid, go over to iTunes. Okay, I keep doing that. It's not <laughs> iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. I know this. Talk about force of habit. Go to Apple Podcasts. And just leave us a review. That helps other people um, with similar tastes uh, discover us. Yeah. So. All right. All right. So as we mentioned before, um, it's our deep dive episode in two weeks will be on the band The Strangers. Strangers. Yeah. Anything else, Rob? Or does that wrap it up? No, I think that wraps it up. This has been a, an eye-opener and I think a really good education for me. And uh, I don't know. I quite enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you. Police at the ease in the street.
Let me tell you about your blood bamboo kid. It ain't Coca-Cola, it's rice. Straight to hell, boy. Go straight to hell, boy. Go straight to hell, boy. Go straight to hell.